our story this morning. Esther was a very attractive Jewish orphan, raised by her uncle Mordecai, who rose to become the beautiful queen of Persia. And that's where our story begins to take its twists and turns, concluding with an ironic turn of events, a reversal of fortunes. Xerxes, the king of Persia, was married to a very beautiful queen called Vashti. And at the end of a week-long drinking party, Xerxes, now in a drunken stupor, decides that he wants to show off his wife's beauty, so he commands her to come in, naked, and wearing only her royal crown. Vashti refuses to come in. And so the king, Xerxes, is then angered. See, you don't anger the king. You don't refuse his calls. Vashti then is banished from the kingdom, never to be heard from again. Probably executed. And so the title of queen must now be given to another person. And so soon, a massive Miss Universe beauty pageant is launched, looking for a beautiful woman now to replace Vashti as queen. And as the story goes, Esther is eventually chosen as that queen. But she doesn't reveal to the king that she is a Jew. Her racial heritage becomes her palace secret for the safety of her own life. And so while Esther is queen, good uncle Mordecai, he hangs out at the palace gates. And he hears from some of the king's soldiers a plot to overthrow the king. And so he tells Esther on the side, who then goes and tells the king, and the king is saved. And Uncle Mordecai becomes a hero. But now the plot thickens. Haman, Haman, the king's prime minister, the real bad guy in this story, discovers that Mordecai is a Jew. See, Jews and Persians, they, they didn't get along well. They, they were, the Jews were enemies of the Persians. Well, this enrages Haman, who then plots with the king to get a signed edict from the king to remedy the Jewish situation, to exterminate all the Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Persia. And we would say in the 20th century that Haman was a man very comparable to the evils of Adolf Hitler who attempted to resolve the Jewish question in the 1940s with the death camp extermination of all European Jews. Same time. For such a time as this, Esther was the only hope for her people. Something, something had to be done within the royal halls of power and influence. And so Mordecai goes to Esther 
and asks her to ask the king to reverse his previous edict and save the Jews. Listen to what Mordecai says to his niece. If you've got your book, it's on page 282 or Esther chapter 4 beginning at verse, uh, verse 14. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family will perish. And who knows but that for you, that for you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Up until now, Esther has just been a pretty girl. But all of a sudden, her purpose has now become clear. Queen Esther knew that she, she needed to tell the king all about Haman's evil plot. But there were two major problems. First was palace protocol. No one, not even the queen, could just drop into the king's chambers for a little chat. You come before the king only when you have been summoned. Never before. And if you do, you just might lose your head. And the second problem was the problem of anti-Semitism. Esther was a Jew. And Persians hated the Jews. But Esther was not about to remain silent about Haman's evil plot. And so, like Annie in the movie Speed, Esther needed to take the wheel of the bus. And Esther was willing to stand up and step into harm's way for the well-being of others. Even if I perish, she said. This would be Esther's defining moment. So passing through the royal corridor, she came to the doorway of the king's room. And with bold conviction, Esther laid her request before the king. You've got your book, 200, page 285, Esther chapter 7, verses 3 to 6. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition, and spare my people. This is my request. 
For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is the man who has dared to do such a thing? And Esther said, An adversary and enemy, this vile Haman. The upper story of God is always about the strong and mighty God who will win every time. And before the day was over, fortunes were reversed. Haman was impaled on the, on the very gallows that he had set up for Mordecai and all of the other Jews that, to hang on. And at the very end of the story, we are told that the book of Esther ever remains an important story throughout the ages told by Jews at the festival of Purim, which is still observed each year in the month of February or March. And this year, when I looked at my calendar, Purim is celebrated from sundown March the 20th to sundown on March the 21st. In my undergraduate years at York University, which is light years away now, Carol and I had the uh, privilege of being in the home of an Orthodox Jew for this particular festival. At the time, I was taking some Jewish history courses at, at the university, led by Professor Marty Lokshan, who today now lives in Jerusalem. And being somewhat inquisitive, being a Gentile, about this festival of Purim, Marty then invited Carol and I to come to his home to celebrate the festival of Purim. And I can tell you it was really a lot of fun. Something like being sort of a blend or a mix between a Mardi Gras and a masquerade party. So I brought along a little to set the party theme. <laughs> now we're ready to party. Purim is a time of merriment, of giving gifts to the poor, of going from home to home to home and enjoying lots of great food, especially, especially Haman hats. Something like a butter tart shaped in the, in, like an old-fashioned colonial hat, you know, the kind with the three points. That's a Haman hat. And throughout the entire evening, the entire book of Esther was read. And every time, every time the name Haman was mentioned, the room was filled with the sound of noisemakers and boos. That's B-O-O-S. <laughs> For such a time as this, we need to remember what Uncle Mordecai said to his niece Esther. If you keep quiet at, at a time like this, 
deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Many years ago, I learned that there's always another story just below the surface. For Esther's story, you see, is a reminder of the lower story of our lives and the upper story of God. God is working all things for good. We go nowhere in life simply by accident. There is a purpose in your being here today. Or maybe it was that moment when you said yes to Jesus to pick up his cross and follow him. My friends, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral territory, no demilitarized zone within which we may safely sign a truce with sin. Jesus Christ claims our allegiance. He calls us, his followers, to face the cost of discipleship, to lose our lives for his sake and for the gospel that we in the end may find it. What good is it, said Jesus, for a person to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We may not always know where God is going, but wherever we go, God is there equipping you and I to be an important player in the life of the kingdom of God. It has been said that true joy, does not, true joy in life does not come from trying to completely understand or know God. True joy comes in the experience of being known by God. As the Apostle Paul has said, God is working all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to God's purpose. The great Sir Winston Churchill once said, to each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to them and fitted to their talents. As it was with Esther, we who belong to Christ today have been raised to a position of royal dignity in this world to live for the glory of God. You see, God is not looking for admirers, but adherents. Not sympathizers, but men and women committed to his directions and his calling. Like Esther in the royal halls of Susa, or like Annie on that speeding bus, God only needs ordinary, everyday people like you and me to be a player in God's upper story. Making a piece of heaven a reality right here on this earth making our world a more loving and just place for all, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, comforting the lonely, being peacemakers in a hostile world, 
letting our circle of care be seen and felt by all we in need and pointing the lost toward home. It's a story that promises love and life and the very promise of Jesus himself. I am with you always, even to the close of the age. My friends, God is speaking. Are we listening? To what will you commit today? Where will you exercise your courage? Where will you let the light of your faith give light into a darkened world? Like Esther, you may have to risk something. But I can assure you it will change your life and the world in which we live. Every situation, every encounter, every moment of our lives is an opportunity provided by the God who is always there to be an opportunity for you and me to transform our place of God's vineyard. Like Esther in that citadel in Susa, and for all of the diaspora Jews of the empire, so now for God's people in every time and place, in every age, at just the right time, in the fullness of time, for just such a time as this, God raised up a Savior, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And whereas Esther risked everything to intercede for her people and lived, we today have a more perfect mediator. One who did not merely risk it all, but one who willingly laid it all down and died for God's people, for you, for me, and for the whole world. What Esther confessed only as a possibility, if I perish, I perish. Jesus chose his Father's will as a necessity for us and for our salvation. And he willingly gave his life on the cross that we would have life. And calls each one of us today to be to a decisive moment in our lives. It has been said that God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. My friends, above the lower story of our lives is a God with a, with a smiling face because he's always, always in control, working all things for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. My friends, God has called you and me right where we are today for such a time as this. How will you respond? Let us pray. God, we are challenged as we 
Listen to the story of Esther, a story that's old, from antiquity, and yet we hear the story that you are there working out your good and perfect will in those situations of the past, just as you are today, tomorrow, and forever. And so I pray, O oh God, that this story of Esther and her family will sink deep into our hearts and minds that we will hear your voice for today. And that we will not be blind to the situations, to the needs that are around us. But that we would respond like Esther. Yes, if I perish, I perish. Give us that boldness, Lord, that we would step into today's world to bring a piece of heaven give a glimpse of the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you all to stand.